thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Today, I'm going to lean a little further into our relationships, and this has to do with those who are around us. If I was to ask you a question, what's the most important thing that you could do with your life, what would you say? And I'm sure some of us would say, well, you gotta, you got to love God. You're absolutely right. That's why the first value for us as a, as a church is to know God. There's a big sign that says know God. Nothing else starts in your life without first a relationship with God. Nothing, nothing. So it's the first thing. And so we're called, that's the most important thing, is to love God, to serve God. And all of us know that. But if I was to ask you, okay, all right, I got you. Love God, first one. What is the second most important thing you could ever do with your life? What's the second most important thing I'm supposed to do with my time while I'm here on this planet? What would we say? You're right. I hear some of you. The question, though, this exact thing was asked of Jesus several times. And one of them is in Matthew 22. A religious leader came up to Jesus and asked this question. And this is, this is the interaction here. The Pharisee got together. The Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So here you have both of these things that that Jesus gave the cliff notes of the whole Bible in these two statements. This is what he said, love God and love others. That's it. That's actually how we, how we came up with our four things out there um, in, on, the, on the wall. Two of them, is the first two is out of this, love God and love people. That's why we exist. That's why we're here on this earth. But the beginning of our relationship with Jesus is all about relationships. Relationship with God and relationships with you and me. That's what it's about. And so... Someone asked the question, what's the most important thing? If, if I had to do one thing, what should it be? And, and, and Jesus said, these, do these two things, love God and love people. Because life is all about relationships. How we interact with people around us in our relationships. Jesus summed up the most important thing that we could do in our lives has to do with relationships. And the truth is this, we don't always do the whole loving your neighbor as yourself thing very well, do we? Let's just be honest. Loving other people as ourself, that's such a selfless thing to do because it's not about me. And yet Jesus says that's the second most important thing that you need to learn in your life is to love others like yourself. Now, I'll just be honest with you. It's not the most natural thing for us to do, is it? You don't wake up in the morning and say, today I'm going to love other people the same way that I love me. There's very few of us that actually follow through with that. I would love for our church to be known as a church that just loves people. When people come to our church, they think, man, they just love me. They They don't care what I wore. They don't care. They don't say any mean things to me. They just love me. 
I would love for people who interact with us in our community to, to say, oh, you go to Faith Bible Chapel? Oh, that's awesome because I met another person and they just, they loved me. They loved me as themselves. That'd be amazing. But let's get back to this conversation that we just read of the Pharisee. So after Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, the religious leader says this, well then, who is my neighbor? He's looking for a loophole. Basically what he's saying is this, he's like, listen Jesus, I, you, you know my heart, I just want to make sure I don't waste my love on people I don't need to love, okay? I'm just being a steward of my time, that's all. It's a question that really all of us ask. Yeah, but really, Jason, who's my neighbor? I mean, really. Jesus answers this question, though, by telling a story. And it's a story called the Good Samaritan. We've heard it. All of us have heard it. But I believe today God wants to speak something differently in our lives regarding this story. And Jesus, he just turns and says, let me tell you a story, Mr. Pharisee man. And this is, he gets into Luke chapter 10. And this is what Jesus said. So, the Pharisee wanted to justify kind of him rejecting certain people and loving certain people. So he asked the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him in his of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. It's a terrible scene. A priest, who was a religious leader, happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, who was also a, a worker in the temple, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is just money, and gave them to the innkeeper, look, and said to him, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. There are these characters in these stories, three characters. There's the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. And, he's, and Jesus is identifying each one of them interact differently with the person in need. And Jesus is wanting us to learn something from this passage on how do we fulfill the second most important thing that we need in our lives. It's funny for us as Christians, we don't always think of that love others as ourselves as the second most important thing. For many of us, well, it's my, my prayer time. No, that's actually not what Jesus said. It's my reading my Bible. No, it's my how busy I am. No. Jesus said, if you're going to learn two things in your life, learn to love me and learn to love others. Now, from that, you will begin to pray more and be in God's word more. Yes, but those are your two motivations that you begin to lean in. God changed my heart that I could fulfill those two things. And so there are three possible responses that we could interact or how we interact with people. And so we can learn from Jesus today about how to handle others with love and compassion. But I just want to look at quickly ways we interact with other people's lives based off of those three characters that we just read about. Number one, we can avoid them. We are master avoiders in our relationships with other people. 
And what does it mean to avoid? This is meaning us keeping our distance from people. This is the, the, the heart and the attitude of this first traveler, the priest. And the truth is we not only avoid neighbors, we can even avoid our own family members. We can even avoid our own church members and our own family and our own small groups that when we see there's a need, we just, uh, we just avoid it. We're out of it. Now, a lot of us have had learned behaviors because that's what happened in the homes that we grew up in. Or that's how we, we got too close to someone one time and it hurt us. We tried to meet their needs and we thought, I'll never do that again. And so we are masters of avoiding. Now, I will say this to you. All three of these, we will have them in our lives at some point along the way. And so this is the avoidance out of Luke 10, 31. This is how the priest acted. He happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So this priest, this religious leader, sees a guy who's hurting, he's in trouble, and he just walks by. He ignores him. He like doesn't even skip a beat. He keeps going. He not only does he ignore him, he goes to the other side does he, so he doesn't have to get too close to him. He keeps his distance. He probably spiritually, I'm on a prayer walk and I won't let anything stop me from my prayer walk in Jesus' name. Get thee behind me, needy person. I'm going to church. And he crossed and he went to the other side. This interaction is about not getting close to people because they just might need you. So you keep your distance. They might ask you for help. And so what happens is if this is us, if we allow this to remain too long in our lives, we create superficial relationships where, how are you? I'm good. High five, fist bump, peace out. Well, I said hi to people, but we keep people at a distance because we're afraid that they might need us. And if they need us, it's going to inconvenience me. And so we keep people out of the distance. This is the spirit of this priest and is ours at many times. We think, listen, if I just keep my distance, I won't have to be involved. Or we even feel, we feel overwhelmed because we're like, I don't know. How will I handle this individual? How will I handle my spouse that's hurting? How will I handle my kids that are hurting? How will I handle someone in my small group that I just know something's not right, but I don't want to, I'm just going to walk on the other side and just hope it goes away. But you're the one. They're your neighbor. Why? Because you were next to them. They're in your life. And God wants us to, to do something about the people in need around us. And so these avoiders, don't let people get too close to them because if they get too close, you may have to help and you may have to do something. So you keep your neighbors, your people, and your life, and your church at a distance because you don't want to be bothered by them. In Colorado, we are masters of this. We are master avoiders. Our culture, some, something about Colorado, we're independent. That's what makes us great. And also that's what makes us difficult in our relationships. We like to keep our, keep our distance. We like to keep people away. We like to drive in our, our garages, shut the door, go inside, and then come out and then just go somewhere else. This is, for some reason, that's kind of who we are. We don't even know the people that live right next door to us. We lived there for years. 
We ignore people. We distance ourselves from people. We make spiritual excuses not to interact with them. But the truth is, if they are near us, then they are our neighbor. And Jesus commands us to do something about them and love them. Second way we we can interact with people that we learn from this passage is number two. We are concerned, but not really, actually. No, uh uh We're concerned, but not really. Like, hmm, that's too bad. Not really. And this is the temple assistant. This is the Levite. This is what scripture says he did. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him. So he walked over. Good for, good for him. Looked at him lying there. So this is what he saw. Hurting, half naked, bloody, robbed, coming in and out of consciousness. And then he passed on the other side and went his own way. He saw the need. He was concerned. Oh, but not really. Not really. He goes back to the other side and he walks on by. So these first two are these religious guys. They should know better than this. They know the law. They know they're supposed to to show care and love to the stranger, to the foreigner. They know this. And so what, what does this show to me? Just because you are religious, just because you know the Bible, just because you go to church does not make you loving towards other people. It doesn't. You can be religious and never love your neighbor as yourself. This is what Jesus is showing us today. So this Levite, he said, that's interesting. That's, yeah, I see you. You're hurting. But I'm, I'm really not interested. I'm, I'm, I'm interested, but I'm really not that interested. I think we do this a lot more than what we probably realize. Because the truth is we love to know about people's pain. We just do something in us. We want to know what somebody's going through. We want to know. Give me the details. Let me see it. Let me look at it. Let me find out who's in here. Let me find out who's struggling. Let me gossip about other people's pains. And we love to talk about other people. We love other people's pain. We love to read about it. Why do you think the news is filled with everybody's pain? We just, we're just drawn to it like moths are to light. We just want to tell me about people's pain. Tell me how bad it is. Tell me about the coronavirus. Tell me all about it. Because we love. We like to talk about it. The same way with people, we like to talk about it, we like to know about it. We're concerned, but not really. Not really. At times, all of us can have the same attitude as the Levite. Listen, all of us can. He walks over, he sees the guy naked, bleeding to death. That's too bad. We can act this way towards our friends when our friends are hurting. We see it. I'm so sorry, but not really. We can act this way with our family. Oh, you're hurting. I'm sorry, but not really. Love looks like something. Love looks like, love looks like something. It's, it's an action. And there's a third way, though, that we can interact. There's a third way we could fulfill what Jesus said is to love our neighbor as ourself. And the third way we learn from the Samaritan, number three, we do unto them. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. 
So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the whole law and of the prophets. So, all right, Jesus, if you could take everything the prophets said and everything the law says, can you sum that up? Yeah, here it is. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Done. That's it. So we find the Samaritan in verse 33 says, he does this, then a despised Samaritan came along. He was despised. He, wasn't, he didn't even fit the religious mold. He came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. He was moved for him. Jesus used the example of a Samaritan that was despised. He was seen as a racial outcast by the Jews. And he said this, hey, fellas, this is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to this story. This is what it means to follow God. Listen to this story. This is how you do it. Listen to this story. And I want to learn from the Samaritan today. I want this to challenge all of us today. So, so if we're going to handle our relationships with care, we need to follow the Samaritan's example. So how do we love others around us? How to love others around you? Here are some key points from the Samaritan. Number one, we need to open your eyes to their needs. Open your eyes to their needs don't live in denial. Don't cross on the other side. Don't, don't become interested but not really. Open your eyes. See them. See their pain. Take some time. Look at people for really who they are and what they're going through. Look at them. It says that the Samaritan came along and he saw the man and he, and he was felt, he had compassion. He took pity on him. He saw the need. And this is about intentionality of finding needs of people around you. Most of us, it's so hard for us to consider someone else's needs because we're so overwhelmed by our own needs. And so God wants us to get outside of us and begin look, looking at the needs of people around us. What would we be like as a church if we did that? This is about intentionally loving our neighbor. And loving our neighbors as ourselves begins with us opening our eyes and looking at them. It's impossible to meet a need until you, until you actually see the need. Until you know what the need is. Until you understand it. It's really easy just to open your eyes and look around. Look at them, see them, ask the Holy Spirit to show you their need, give you words of knowledge or discernment so you could speak into their need. And need isn't always this, this financial, physical thing. It can be a word of encouragement. It can be a word that, that lifts someone up. It can be a word that combats the lies of the enemy that, that are, that are uh, speaking to them. It can be very powerful by seeing the need. I heard a story this week of this um, she was an 18-year-old girl. She's in college, and she was kind of sharing her story. And she, at, through high school, she, was, she didn't feel like living. Her parents had rejected her, and she said, every day I just thought maybe I should just end my life. But she said, what got me through is that someone throughout the day looked me in the eye and saw me and smiled at me. She said that was the only thing. It, she, they, she said this. She said, when they smiled at me, it made me feel like I have value. Imagine. They saw her. And it loved her. We need to look at them. Friends, 
There are wounded people all around you. They're actually sitting right there in your row today. They're right next to you. They might be wounded emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. There are people right next to you right now who are hurting. And we don't see it because we haven't actually thought, oh yeah, you might be hurting. Oh yeah, you're probably going through a tough time right now. We have just been so focused on us. And Jesus said we are to love them, show them the care that we wish someone would show us. And many times we're so busy, that's why we don't really see people. We're so busy, we're doing our thing. Our calendars are full. I think really for families, the issue isn't there's not, there's not love in the home or care in the, lo- in the home. There's just no time to actually be a family. And we begin to see these things break down because we're busy. We need to slow down a little bit. And many times it's just slowing your own brain down. Stop thinking about step seven. Start thinking about right now, presently, right now, who is around me. Oh, there they are. And begin to open our eyes to them. I, I love to travel. I love to do missions. My wife and I, that's one of the things we feel like God has called us to do is he opens the door. We are able to do that. And, and that's one of our passions here. I love the nations of the world. But when you go, you fly there. You get there quick. You go there. The nations and the people that have had the greatest impact on me are the people that I slow down with, that I talk to, that I walk the streets with. That I ministered to pastors and had a cup of coffee to, with them and, and loved on them and shared with them. And guess what? The, the places I can't hardly remember are the ones that I just I went right through. When you slow down, you see things differently. You can go to a lot of places, and all of us do because a lot of us fly a lot. We can go to a lot of places, but you never really see the place. Why? Because you're going too fast. It's the same with people. You can be around a lot of people, but you never see them because you're going too fast. If I was to ask you right now, write down the name of of an unbeliever, somebody who's in your life, one of your neighbors, whether at work or school or, or in your own neighborhood or somebody that you know that doesn't know Jesus yet, that you see on a weekly basis, think about them. If I was to ask you to do that. One, first challenge, would you be able to name somebody that doesn't know Jesus in your life? If not, it's time for you to get outside of your own bubble and start, and start seeing people. But two, if you can name somebody, let me ask you this question. Do you know any struggles that they're going through? Have you seen their needs? Have you said, hey, can I pray for you? Have you said, hey, how are you? Tell me about your family. Where are you from? How would you come to Colorado? What's your story? Have you, have you done any type of interaction with them that they would actually reveal to you their needs? It's time that we open our eyes to people that are right next to us. That we need to ask God to open our eyes to the people that need us, that need someone to see them. It's a dangerous prayer because it's going to change your life from being about you to being around people around you. Actually, it'll change your life to be able to live a life that's actually worth living. We are to, we are to carry out in the same nature and spirit as Christ does on this earth. A second thing that we can do and we can learn from the Samaritan is this, that you, we can put ourselves in their shoes. That's how we connect with them. 
We put ourselves in their shoes. Where are they coming from? What's their background? You can't do that without a conversation. But then once you begin to hear that, think, you know what? No wonder they're hurting. No wonder they're going through what they're going through. It's wow. If I, man, if I had been through that, I don't know if I'd be as, as good, good off as you are right now. Like, it helps us to understand where people are coming from. The, the Samaritan, good Samaritan, saw this man. He saw him, and he took pity on him. He took pity on him. He understood, oh, man, this man's been through a lot. And we usually view others through our own experiences. What that means is we have no clue of what that other person's been through. We have no clue about their home life. We have no clue about the abuse they've had to walk through. We have no clue about the, the thoughts and seeds that were planted in their heads when they were a little child, that they're trying to wade through what's a lie and not a lie. We have no clue about their journey. That we, zero clue. And so in order to love your neighbor as yourself, we need to put ourselves in their shoes sometimes. And ask yourself, where, where would I be today if I had lived the life that they had lived? We need to understand their pain and their life and their view of life. Jesus said this for us to weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. What does that mean? It means just, just connect with people around you. And how you do that is just have a conversation with them. That's how you love your neighbor as yourself. Talk to them. Just say, hey. Get to know where they're coming from. All of us have a need. Every one of us in this room has a need to be heard, to be known, and for someone to try to understand us. That's all. All of us desire to be understood, to know that we're not alone, to know that people are with us. This means that people in your life need the same thing. Do you need encouragement? Then Give encouragement to someone around you. Our families and this church, the words out of our mouth should be words that always lift up. Always lift up the other person. Always believe the best in the other person. We shouldn't be living in suspicion. Oh, I wonder this and wonder this. I can't believe them. Listen, that will shut a family down. You find a family, I'm telling you right now, that it's always negative. You will find a toxic family and with children struggling, struggling to understand God's love for them. We are to speak life, to encourage, to lift up, to love your neighbor as yourself. Would you prefer someone to always speak negatively to you? Well, no. Well, then shut your mouth and speak positive to somebody else. Amen? So we love our neighbor as ourself. Love your neighbor. And if you will do this, look at Galatians 6. We can carry each other's burdens. This is how we do it. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Well, Jason, what's the law of Christ? Well, the law of Christ is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law of Christ, to love your neighbor as yourself. If I'm going to be like the good Samaritan, I'm going to have to love my neighbor as myself. Number three, another way that we can be like the good Samaritan, when you have an opportunity to show kindness to someone in your life, this is what you do. You do it. Yeah, but Jason, I, I don't know if I want to. I don't care. Do it. Act on it. Crucify your flesh. Do it. Just do it. This is about action. Do something. 
Don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't pencil it in your calendars. I'll do this next week sometimes. Just do it. Nike it. Do it. Act on it. You think, so? I wonder if someone needs prayer. Go pray for them. Do it. Do it now. Don't wait. Do it. Be obnoxious. Interrupt. Sorry. Do you need prayer? No. Okay, cool. You, at least you did it. Or yes, I do. And we do it. It's about action. And we see this in the Good Samaritans, Luke 10. Going over to the, to the broken, hurting person, he soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. I know we've read this, but I want you to hear it. The next day, he acted now. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. I got it. He did it. The Samaritan saw this man. He opened his eyes to him. He put himself in his position. Man, what would I need if I was in his position? And then he did something about it. We aren't to wait for people to come to us. We are on a journey, on a pathway. We're on the same road from Jerusalem to Jericho in our own lives. And there are people scattered throughout our pathway that need us to see them, to put ourselves in their shoes and to do something about what we see. Love is a choice. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. You hear all the time in, in relationships or people dating, and maybe it's not a very good relationship, and then one person, I just, I just, I'm just in love. I love it. I, I mean, my head's spinning. I see, I see stars all the time. And here's the fact. You can get the same feeling if a donkey kicks you in the stomach, but it doesn't mean it's love. That's an old joke, anyway. Love's not a feeling, it's a choice. And out of that choice, all of a sudden the feelings of love begin to come. It follows a decision. And through scripture, you're commanded to love. So it's an action. You're not commanded to feel, you're commanded to love. The great thing about love is when you choose to love, when you act in love, you start to feel more love towards the person you're acting in love towards. That's what happens. Many of our, of our friendships and our marriages, the, the fact is this, start acting in love towards the other person. Well, I don't feel like acting in love. Well, you never will until you make a choice. I'm going to do something in love. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to speak words of life over them. I'm going to act in love. And then all of a sudden, you'll be like, ooh, I kind of like them a little bit more. It's because you're choosing to love. If you start Acting towards love, towards those people at work that you don't like, you start acting in love, your feelings are going to change for them. The Good Samaritan takes the initiative, and that's what we are to do with the neighbors around us. And here's the other thing. He, he uses what he has. Some people think, well, I can't, I can't go after people's needs. I can't ask them because I don't know if I have what it takes. Listen, what you have in your hands when you go to a person who's hurting is exactly what you need. He goes there, he pulls out his lunch. He's got some wine, so he put some wine on him, which disinfected his wounds. He got some oil and put it on his, on his uh, skin to help soothe some of the pain. He just, he just gave him what he had. That's all God asks of you is just give what you have. It may not be much, but just give them what you have. And many times we can make excuses not to help. 
We can say that person's a lost cause. The Good Samaritan could have said, hey, well, listen, that guy's going to die anyway, so what's the point? We do that all the time. We write people off all the time. Oh, well, they're in a gay marriage. There's nothing. No, they're gone. Forget them. Or they're in a gang. Uh, forget them. Or they're smoking. And, uh, forget them. They're just too bad. We do it all the time, don't we? And we need to stop writing people off that Jesus gave his life for. We need to stop ignoring people that Jesus laid down his life. And he left you and me in charge to show them our love and to tell them about his love. That's what he did. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you were lost, if you were on a pathway to hell, if you were making terrible decisions and it was destroying your life, wouldn't you want someone to love you enough to say, what are you doing? There's a better way for you. Jesus has a better plan for you. If you'd never heard the good news of Jesus Christ and you were on your way to hell, wouldn't you love someone to love you enough to say, listen, man, listen, sweetheart, listen, God loves you. He gave his son for you. If you put your trust in him, he can save your life. He can heal you. He can deliver you from the guilt and the shame and the filth and the, and the life and the, the hole you're trying to fill by drinking of the cup of this world. It's never satisfying. Wouldn't you want someone to love you enough to do that? Yes, we all would. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. I remember a friend of mine, he was in Bible college and he'd, he'd lived, a, he was a hellion and Jesus radically changed his life, but he didn't get saved till he was 19. I remember we were in Bible college, I was sitting there talking to him and tears running down his face, Te I mean tears. He said, why didn't anyone tell me when I was younger? He goes, I had Christian friends. I knew they were Christian. They never said one thing to me. They never invited me to the church. They never asked me if I knew Jesus. Never. And I'll never forget that. He was saying, why didn't someone love me enough to tell me about Jesus? To reach out to me. To care for me. Galatians 6.10 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. That's a command, especially to those who belong in the family of believers. This is, this, is, this is the perfect word of God. That we're to be good to all people. And we're also especially to be good to one another. That is us loving one another. Proverbs 3.27, I'll end with this. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due. As soon as you read that, you thought, well, see, some people it isn't due. No, that's not what it means. It means do not withhold good from those who need to be shown some good. Do not withhold love from those 
who need love. Do not withhold kindness to those who need kindness. Do not withhold the gospel from those who need the gospel. When it's within your power to act, don't withhold it. This is what it means to handle our neighbors, others, people in our lives with care. It's to love them the way that we would love ourselves. This is the command and it's the challenge. It's not easy, but it's a decision. We don't compromise our values. Anytime you talk about love, people get it confused. Listen, all love and no truth will just love people to hell. All truth and no love will push them away from heaven. It's the balance of love and truth. Love and truth. Love and truth. Love your neighbor as you would want them to love you. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.